Psalm 102, we're going to read the first 11 verses again. And again, as we read this, I want you to, in your mind, allow these words to be heard out of the mouth of the incarnate Son. I want you to think about that as we read these passages together. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me in the day when I call, answer me quickly. For my days have been consumed in smoke. My bones have been scorched like a hearth. My heart has been smitten like grass and has withered away. Indeed, I forget to eat my bread. Because of the loudness of my groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I resemble a pelican of the wilderness. I have become like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I have become like a lonely bird on a housetop. My enemies have reproached me all day long. Those who deride me have used my name as a curse, for they, for I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping because of your indignation and your wrath. For you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a lengthened shadow, and I wither away like grass. This afternoon, this morning, as I was reviewing this section for tonight, and I was meditating on these words. You know, brethren, when you read your Bible, you need to allow the words to form an image in your mind. I'm not saying to have an image in your mind like the face of God or who you think Jesus is, but words have meaning, don't they? And we can read words like we're reading a novel or we're reading a school book to try to get through the book and answer the quiz, but to slow down and allow these words to live and form something inside your soul is how we're changed. And as I was meditating on this and really asking the Lord to do this, Tears just came to my eyes. Imagining our Lord breathing out these words to God the Father in a cry. Like we're reading the words, right? But these are words that are coming out of a person who's crying. He's crying for help in his distress. I don't think there's any way, because I don't know the intensity of the cry. I don't don't know how that sounded, but I know what the words are saying, don't we? And so as we look at this, I think there is a sense that we need to approach this psalm fearfully because we are reading about an afflicted one, the afflicted one. And we learn that the afflicted one is none other than the incarnate Son. And we know that because in verses 25 through 27 of this psalm, it is quoted in our New Testament. 
And we saw that it's quoted in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. And we noted also, if you look at verse 27, it says, But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. Where, where is that paraphrased? It's at the end of Hebrews. So the book of Hebrews begins with this quotation. God saying to the Son, verses 25 through 27, and then in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, he doesn't really quote it, but he says this, Jesus Christ, can we quote it together? The same yesterday, today, and and forever or tomorrow. And so this is exactly what verse 27 is saying here in Psalm 102. You are the same and your years will not come to an end. This is this psalm is the afflicted one, the incarnate Lord speaking and pouring out his soul to God the Father. We saw that these days of affliction were throughout his whole life or his ministry. You'll see in verse 3, for my days, plural. Verse 11, my days, plural. Verse 23, he has shortened my days. Verse 24, in the midst of my days. And of course, Hebrews speaks of the incarnate Son who says that in the days of his suffering, He cried out with strong tears and He was heard. What are we seeing in this psalm? We are seeing an afflicted one who says that he has eaten ashes like bread and mingled his drink with weeping. This was something that is constant. You get the idea here of not only that this is what his enemies were feeding him, But you get the idea of here's a person who sits down at the table and they're going to eat, right? And while they are supposed to eating, what is is falling on that bread? Tears. Tears. Now folks, when that happens, you and I would say something like this. That person is distraught. That person is overcome with pain and sorrow. And we also noted that in verse 8 of this psalm, that even though he was afflicted all his days, there was a specific day. Verse 8, my enemies have reproached me all day, singular, long. Now all day long could refer to his whole life, right? That this was constant throughout all of the days. But as it's equally true that it could refer to the day of His cross. And when we turn to the New Testament, that's where we see the Gospel writers are actually writing about this, right? They're actually quoting from the Old Testament. You're the one who trusted in God. Let us see now if God would have you. If you really are the Son of God, save yourself and, and us also. There was great mockery and reproach and taunting and jeering and deriding at that cross. This psalm certainly could be indicative of that. 
And we also learn that he is really crying out for help, verses 1 and 2, and he argues for that help from his bodily affliction, both his inner man and his outer man. We saw in verse 3 that he describes his condition in terms of a burnt offering. We saw in verses 4 and 5 that he talks about how the afflictions struck his heart, that there was a a voice of groaning that was going on in the midst of this. We looked at verses 6 and 7 where he describes his condition in terms of two animals. And what's unusual about those animals is that they were what type of animals? Clean or unclean? They were unclean animals. And what we saw is he experienced desolation and extreme loneliness. He argues for that help from the presence of his enemies, verses 8 and 9. People were hostile to him. His enemies fed him with pain. This was his daily bread of his life. And folks, surely, surely, you you just take that little description. Would you like to live a life like that? He was a man of sorrow. And he knew, he knew intimately the depths of grief that you and I will never know, thank the Lord. It's amazing He even lived up to that point to be crucified, isn't it? But folks, the most extreme argument that the afflicted one is arguing for deliverance is because of how Yahweh treated him. We saw earlier in verse 23 and verse 24 that as he walked in the pathway of Yahweh, of the Lord, God the Father, that God the Father had weakened his strength in the way. He made him more dependent, not less dependent upon him. But in verse 10, we have something here that is absolutely shocking. It says, because of your indignation and your wrath, for you have lifted me up and what? Cast me away. Folks, here, here's a man. Is he a man? Mm-hmm. He is a man. And he is a sinless man. We all agree with that? And God... The Father, through the Son, lifted him up and did what? Cast him away. away. Now why did he do that? Why did he show him indignation and wrath? Folks, everything that we have seen thus far, the enemies being hostile to him, his outer man's bodily affliction, his inner man pain and suffering, all of those things were because of God the Father's wrath and indignation. Do you see that in verse 10? Now, if you pick up 
commentaries on this psalm. And what I'm about to say, I did not survey every commentary that's out there. Okay, but I did survey some of the more uh, popular and definitely conservative ones. All of those commentators, and we ourselves, just reading through this superficially, would assume that Yahweh's indignation and wrath came upon this afflicted man because of his sin. Isn't that the way you would read it? If you were just skimming down through here and reading this. Every commentary that I consulted said that God's wrath and indignation was upon this man, whoever he was, because of his sin. Now folks, I'm going to argue a little differently. And I want you to follow what I'm saying here. When the Bible says that these things, all the things, verses 3-9, through that have afflicted him, it was all because of God's indignation and God's wrath. All that statement is doing is making a statement. It's declaring something that is true, right? But it is not saying why God's wrath and indignation was upon him. It just says, because of your indignation and your wrath. Everybody see that? It doesn't say upon me. It doesn't say because of my sin, does it? It just says, it just declares something. Why were all these things coming upon this afflicted one? Because of God's wrath. Because of God's indignation. Everybody see what I'm saying? And folks, since we know who this person is because of the book of Hebrews, this person is Christ. Did he sin? He did not sin. Did God's wrath and indignation come upon him? But folks, it was not for his sin. It was for whose? Oh, Ours. All of these things, the constant beriding of his enemies, the hostility that came upon him, all of the outward things that if you or I were looking upon this man's life from an external perspective, we would definitely not say, oh, God is with him. The tears, the sorrow, the grief, the wearing away of his life, the type of life he lived, him walking in the way of the Lord, yet everything about him, he's not being strengthened, he's not, as it were, being prosperous under the sun. It's all caving in on him. And he's going to be judged, isn't he? He's going to appear before three Jewish trials of the leaders of that nation, people who knew the Torah. And they're going to condemn him. He's going to appear before Pilate. 
And because of political necessity, Pilate knew he was innocent. But because of political necessity, Pilate himself gives him over to be crucified. Folks, if you were living a mile or two away from Jerusalem and all you heard all this was happening, you would be saying, well, that man must be guilty. You would not say, oh, Jehovah is with him. But he was. Folks, the reason why this man is being afflicted to the depths that he's being afflicted is because of our sin. And you'll recall in the book of Romans, it says the just died for the unjust. Now folks, how much love for God would that take to do? How good are you and I at bearing injustice in our lives? Somebody does something to us we didn't do. Do you just do you just bear it with a smile? Or do you have to struggle with something inside of you that really wants to retaliate and get back? He didn't retaliate. He kept walking the way of the Lord even though everything was being drained from Him. Even though He began to know the depths and the darkness of human sorrow and grief. When it says in verse 10, because of your indignation and your wrath, this is indignation and wrath upon the afflicted one, not for his sin, but for ours. Folks, do you see how ugly your sin is? Your sin caused this to happen to the incarnate Son. People say, well, it's my life. I just did this privately. Doesn't hurt anybody. He died for the sins of the world. Do we hear that? What do you mean our sins don't hurt anybody? It hurts you. The wages of sin is. And it hurt Christ. Your sin and my sin brought God's wrath and indignation upon Him. And folks, what that looks like is in verse 10, because of your indignation and your wrath, note this, you have lifted me up and what? Now folks, the image here is very vivid. The image here is of taking, I'm going to use this illustration, it's like taking a clay pot in your hands that's sitting on the floor. You pick up that clay pot and you lift it up, right? And you're lifting it up for the sole purpose of smashing it it to the ground. That's what that verse is illustrating. God the Father lifted up God the Son and threw Him down. Cast Him away. 
And folks, it is interesting that in John 8.28, listen to the words of Christ. When you lift up the Son of Man, do you hear that? When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am, and I do nothing of my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. Do you hear that? Now folks, I want to ask you, where did God the Father teach the incarnate Son from? He taught Him from the Scriptures. What would it have been like for God the Father, as it were, telling God the Son in human flesh, turn to Psalm 102. And let me read and explain to you about being lifted up and cast away. Because our Lord Lord used that same kind of language, didn't He? When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know. And folks, we know, we know from Psalm 22 and verse 1. We know from the book of Matthew and the book of Mark. Eli, Eli, Lama Sabathani. My God, my God, why have you what? Forsaken or abandoned me. Folks, that's what you do. You take the clay pot and you lift it up and you smash it. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Do you hear language like that? It kind of takes on a little bit different nuance than us just talking about it versus really allowing those words to reach our hearts to get a vivid picture of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Folks, do you and I understand what this means? God showed His love to us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that what the text says? Alright. Here's the afflicted one dying for us. Why did He die? God's wrath and indignation upon Him. He lifted me up and cast me to the ground. He cast me aside. And as I was meditating on this, this morning, I thought to myself, you know, it it really is a shame that we can talk about the death of the Son of Man and not be emotionally moved. We're talking about a man dying. We should both be emotionally moved in sorrow because it was our sin and we should be emotionally moved in joy because He was raised from the dead just like the Scripture said. Folks, Christ woke morning by morning. God gave Him the ear of a disciple. 
And God taught him from the text. And I am positive that this is one of the texts that God taught him from. And folks, when the Lord is against you, there's no one that can save you. Right? Except the one who is against you. (laughs) Who's He praying to? He's praying to the one whose wrath and indignation is falling upon Him. He's praying to the one who's lifted Him up and cast Him away. He's saying, Oh my God, hear my prayer. Let my cry for help come to you. Don't hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Singular. Incline your ear to me in the day I call, answer me quickly. And folks, there's a lesson in that for us, isn't there? We can have very hard days. We can have very miserable days. We can have days of suffering that are beyond what you and I think we could ever bear. And they're all filtered through God's hand. But that's not an excuse to depart from the way. And it's not an excuse to say, I'm going away from God if God's going to treat me this way. No, you go to God. So he's argued from his enemies, he's argued from his bodily afflictions, and he's argued from God the Father's actions toward him. And he's going to conclude in verse 11, because in verses 12 and following, he's going to change the, the topic as it were. But verse 11 it says, My days are like a lengthened shadow and I wither away like grass. The effect of God's wrath and anger on him was the wearing away, it was the withering away of his life. Folks, it wasn't like it wasn't like a fire that just rages through the grass of the field. And the wind sweeping that fire and It just goes over that grass, burns it up, it's gone. It all happens in a second. This was the heat of the day. It was the hot winds of the day that were gradually withering that grass away. And folks, I wrote down in my notes this. It sounds like a crucifixion. Folks, the cross was not intended as an instrument of execution in the sense of something happening immediately like your head getting chopped off or you getting shot in the heart with a gun. It was intended to prolong the dying of that man. In other words, folks, people on a cross, they die gradually, don't they? And you remember the next day when they came and asked for the body of our Lord, Pilate was surprised that he was already dead. In fact, they had to go to the other 
the robbers and the thieves on either side of him and break their legs so they couldn't push up to help their diaphragm take in air. In Psalm 22, verses 14 through 17 says this, listen to it. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. How does that feel? My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shear. My tongue cleaves to my jaws. And you, that is God, lay me in the dust of death. That sounds like this verse, doesn't it? I'm being, I am withered away like the grass of the field. And folks, the wages of sin is death. Is this afflicted one dying? He is dying, but remember, not for his sins. For our sins. For the sins you committed in the past, for the sins that you have committed today. For the sins that you will commit in the future. He died. God's wrath was poured out upon Him because of our sins. And that wrath brought Him, His body brought Him to death. And He died, didn't He? He suffered our penalty of condemnation. Now folks, this is why This is one of the whys. Why it is so grievous to reject His sacrifice. Right? Jesus didn't just casually walk up to the cross and die. He suffered. God showed us His love in Christ. And for us to reject that, or for us not to confess His name, or for us to be ashamed of Him, is a grievous sin. And folks, you know that's true. You know that if someone took your place, if you and another person were in prison, and that person took your place and you heard the screams as he was being tortured and you knew that it was that was due to you, would that affect you? Would you just say, ah, I'm out of here. Who cares? And in the midst of all this, he's saying, hear my prayer, O Lord. Answer me without delay. Don't hide your face from me. Hear my cry for help. Now I'm coming to a conclusion. Please hear me. Folks, this is how closely the incarnate Son identified with humanity. 
Because he just wasn't saying, hear my prayer. Answer me, O Lord, without delay. Don't hide your face from me. Incline your ear to me. Hear my cry for help. He wasn't just saying that on his behalf. He was saying that on our behalf. So you and I could pray and get our prayers answered. He's the second Adam, isn't he? He's the new humanity. He's saying, hear my prayer. I am the new humanity. Hear my prayer. And if you hear my prayer, then everyone who's union with me, you will hear their prayer. Our ground in our light affliction, Paul says, to go into his presence boldly to the throne of grace and to say, hear my prayer. Or to say, Lord, please don't hide your face from me. Or to say, answer me without delay. The ground of all that was him and his praying and his close identification with us. And folks, did God hear his prayer? And folks, God will hear our prayer. Not because you're so good. And not because you're so righteous. And not because you have such high standards and ethics. Not because you read your Bible every morning. Not because you think upon Him. But because of what Christ did on our behalf. And folks, this is why Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 says, you know, we have a high priest who is touched with the feeling of our weaknesses. Do you think He knows what weakness is? Do you think He knows what sorrow is? Do you think He knows depths of grief that you and I could never imagine? Yes or no? Yes, sir. So folks, we can go boldly to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Could you pray something like this? Could you say this? Could you get on your knees, whatever your afflictions are, whatever your daily torments are, could you go and pray something along these lines? Lord, I know that you have known and you know my fears. You have known and you know my torments. You have known and know my bodily afflictions. You have known need and you know my need. And I'm coming to you because I need help. Now do you think He would help you? He certainly will. You will find help in your time of need. So let's go to Him in prayer.